Hello and welcome to the Ladcast, episode three. Lads, say hello. Hello. Hello, lads. Hello, lads. It's good to be ciao, back. Ciao, here. Ciao. Uh, tonight we got two, uh, another serious topic and a lighthearted topic. Uh, in the first half, we're gonna talk, we're gonna be discussing the debate. Uh, the second half, we're gonna that's be discussing the lighthearted one. That's yeah, correct. That's that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> The second half, we're going to be discussing console wars, which is the, the serious half. They're both pretty serious, to be honest. Um, but before we begin, lads, how have you been since last we met? Yeah, good. Not much has changed. Interesting things in the news you want to discuss before we get going? Uh, maybe the, uh, debate, um? the debate happened. <laughs> I, would like to say, I would like to say, I hope the audio quality is better because we all got new microphones and it should sound a yes, lot better yes. for you guys. Except for me. Don't say that because then when the audio quality is terrible, they're all going to complain. Be like, get better microphones. <laughs> all right, lads. Before we start, we're going to talk about what are we drinking right now? I'm drinking a classic Ho Garden. You were last time, too. No, I was drinking a Left last time. I am drinking some Jameson. Same. I, I, am, I am drinking a... Local Texas beer. The brand is called St. Arnold's. Uh, Bavarian style lager is the one they have. They also have a bunch of other ones, but this one's good. I like this St. Arnold. It's quite good. You know yeah, it's good because it has a saint on the on the on the on the can. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. What'd you say, Anthony? I said, what are you drinking? Just a little bit of Jameson, some water. It's a quiet night. I'm getting ready for bed. Oh, yeah. So, do you, do you water down your Jameson, or you're drinking water and Jameson? No, I don't water down my Jameson like some sort of psychopath. <laughs> I have I have water in one hand and Jameson in the other. That's called double fisting for you homeschoolers out there. Dan, what are you drinking, buddy? I'm drinking a beer that I kind of experimented with. It's called Pacifico Clara. Really enjoying it. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, well, lads, uh, to kick it off, like I said, let's get right into the... Right, to get on topic here. Uh, tonight, we're going to be discussing the debate, uh, our reactions, our thoughts. To begin, um, like my big Neil Chimes, what, uh, what do you want to say? Before we begin... I have a question. So okay. If you're boiling water on the stove and you forget you forget about it and you start a fire, will it start a fire? Because it's just water. So as soon as the fire starts, the fire goes out. Anyway, that's just that's just for thought. Big Neil, do you want to lead us off? Let me let me describe my personal experience with it before we start talking a bit more, like you know, actually talking about it. My personal experience with the debate: uh, I tried to invite a bunch of coworkers over. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, so basically, I was sitting on my couch. I had just bought an obscene amount of alcohol for a whole bunch of people, and everyone, no one came. But I mean, that's fine. Everyone had their own plans. I mean, I don't blame them. But also, it's a testy way to get to know your coworkers is to watch the presidential debate. So probably not the best idea in the first place. But no one really came through. It was fine. You know, everyone had other ideas. And so I was basically sitting here with an obscene amount of alcohol that I had bought for everyone to share, but it was just me. Uh, and then like a thing full of brownies. I sat down and just started. I, I had like, I cracked open a beer. I sat down on the couch and I, I put it on my TV. And I just started like cringing very just just really cringing like my physical pain like i was i was in in pain and i just i told myself i'm not drunk enough for this i i, I need to drink more in order to make this bearable i never got to that point i temperately drunk i was temperately drunk uh, i had to work the next morning it was not a good idea it's not a good idea in general anyway but you know so i went to bed mad instead of drunk because i take these things way too seriously I mean, I respect a lot of people as a couple of coworkers and a couple of you guys who who can sit down and just like laugh at the chaos 
unfortunately, I take it just a little too seriously to the point where I can't just laugh at it and I have to cringe hard. I, I just, it hurts me. I, it's, ugh, it just, I, I was sitting there just wincing. And so that was- No, I, I definitely understand that. And, and, I, and I think that even if you, you are of the persuasion to laugh at the chaos, or even if you are of the persuasion to ignore the ridiculousness from either side, and because I understand, I, I would imagine a lot of people were watching and saying things like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, he's interrupting a lot, but, that, but that's a good point there, or, or like kind of, or yeah, Biden's an idiot, or other way around, you know, if you're of the opposite persuasion, if you're like, wow, he was just, Trump was so hateful and, and Biden was so presidential, or whatever it was. The reality is that there was so much cringe from both sides, even if you were enjoying it, at some point it just broke through, and there, I think it was almost universally un, unenjoyable by the end. True wisdom is acknowledging that life is madness, and just sitting back and laughing at the madness. My initial reaction to the debate was, um, yeah, this is cringe. This is not good for either either party. But then if you look at the exit polls, if you look at the reactions from both sides, what you end up seeing is that in the end, debate did not actually sway voters in any way. Anyone who went in thinking that they were going to vote for Trump is still going to vote for Trump. Anyone thinking that they're going to vote for Biden is still going to vote for Biden. And I don't think they presented the middle of the road people with any, you know, viable argument, you know, whether it was Biden flip-flopping on the Green New Deal issues or saying shut up, calling him a clown, stuff like that. I don't think that a middle of the road voter is going to see that and they're going to be like, oh, I need to vote for this guy. I wouldn't say that they're both catering to their fan base. Trump was to some degree into that he was catering to the fan base that likes his his rowdiness. I mean, but the, the thing is, is that's not the majority of the people who are going to vote for him. That's not me. That's not most people who will vote for him. And then I would say that while I do in in the moment, I think that the debate was kind of a disaster. What Trump was able to do was he was able to push Biden on basically any major issue that is a contentious issue in the Democrat Party. And he was able to get Biden to basically come out looking like either a moderate leftist or I was I was reminded a lot of the things that he was saying I was reminded of even moderate Republicans. So there was a couple of times I remember watching it in the group chat that I was saying, you know, Biden sounds like a Republican right now. Trump was really able to push Biden's buttons on that. Um I so definitely you can say I, that Biden rose to debate. Oh shit. Uh-huh. I've, I've been waiting all day to say that. <laughs> oh my lord. Yes, you could say that. Um, that's that's kind of my takeaway. Definitely the night that I watched it, I was just like, this is a shit show. Um, it was a funny shit show, not going to lie. I did think of I definitely, I definitely left. I definitely ended the night feeling just disgusted and fed up with American politics in general. I mean, I put it, I put it on my story, basically the way, the way I feel about it. I kind of, you know, feeling was just like, ah, oh, democracy is, democracy is just so flawed. That was, that was my generic end at the end of the night, or my inclusion at the end of the night. I feel like as far, from, my, from what I saw was that actually that if, if those middle of the road voters that we were talking about, if they had a persuasion after the debate, it was to not vote. Yeah. Well, that's, that is actually what exit polls did show. That's what I'm saying. Is the poll showed actually people were less inclined. Only iffy voters are the ones that may or may not vote for Biden. Eh, I don't know if that's true. I think I it think- is true. I think that there's no one that voted for Trump. No one that voted for Trump in 2016 is not going to vote for him again in 2020. Yeah, Lincoln. I think the Lincoln Project. Those types are just a farce. They are, and they 
There's no even minority of the Republican Party that believes in the Lincoln Project. It's basically just Kellyanne Conway's husband running this hit job because he hates Trump. That's basically what it is. What the? You know what? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if do I you know. know who, do you know who runs the Lincoln Project? Kellyanne Conway's husband. I don't know what the Lincoln Project is. Maybe okay, so the Lincoln Project is basically the the walkaway movement of the Republican Party. If you look at the walkaway movement for the Democratic Party, it's kind of like the same thing, saying that Trump is not presidential, that he doesn't actually oh, have Republican okay. beliefs, stuff like that. I see, I see. So, see, the thing, the thing with the Lincoln Party is the Lincoln Party Project. doesn't like Trump because he is not a classic liberal. Like a classical liberal. Oh, it's because um, he's Trump. That's it's basically because he's Trump. Here's the thing: is complaining that he's not Republican enough is replacing like you don't share the non-beliefs that Republicans don't stand for shit. Let's be honest here; they don't stand for anything. But that's a, you know what? That's a debate for another time that we can have. They stand for the national anthem. They. <laughs> <laughs> But um, this is a conversation. I think this would be a great podcast another time. I think we all have opinions on this. That the Republican Party doesn't stand for much, like on its own. Like conservatism stands for something, generally speaking, I guess, sort of. But like Republicanism does not really stand for anything. And so complaining that Trump is not Republican enough is like saying he doesn't have not enough. It doesn't make any sense to me because what is he walking away from? He's walking away from nothing. Like it's an argument with a false premise. Yeah. No, I agree. So, I mean, that kind of touches on all of our generic debate outlooks. Well, wait, wait a minute. We didn't talk about we didn't talk about Chris Wallace. I think we should. I think Chris Wallace deserves a round of applause for his, you know, helping of Biden during the whole debate. So, we need to talk about Chris Wallace. That's true. I mean, that, it's a it's a good point to to realize that. I think he did it slyly, but there was literally no point that he ever pushed Biden on for more than one and a half seconds. But to be fair, in his defense, he did ask Biden two or three questions that Biden could not answer. He, it, it seems relatively like he didn't come off nearly as bad as he definitely could have been. When I was watching it, I, I was not thinking, man, what the heck is he doing? He's like totally taking Biden's sign. I was thinking, this poor man, this man is going to drown his sorrows tonight. This is not an easy job to have. Like the guy, I, I felt bad for the guy for having to deal with the whole. I wasn't like feeling bad for him. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't like hating on him because he was super like pro Biden or anything. I just thought the dude had a crappy job. He was the guy who got the short end of the stick of having to moderate this mess. That's every, that's every moderator. That's every moderator. And, uh, you know, the thing is, Wallace asked very, very good questions of both people, but he tended to make Trump shut up or bias it towards Biden. You know, I don't think that the questions that he asked were wrong. The problem is, I don't mean to cut you off, Joe, the problem is that it's because Trump was being far more aggressive and needed to be shut up a lot more often. That, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say Trump should have shut up. But the strategy of the debate coming in was Trump with a machine gun trying to hit Biden and make him crumble. That's basically what the first 30 minutes of the debate were supposed to be about. Here's the thing. You don't have a strategy for a debate that isn't a debate. That would be like going to war with a strategy on how to... Um, I don't know, farm fields like, oh, we're going to show up to war with our tractors. What I'm saying is he went in trying to expose Biden's uh, mental capacity or inability, and it didn't work because Biden was actually he, he presented as a, uh, you know, a living, breathing human being that had a brain, probably because he was, you know, he had tons of meth in his system. But still, it, it made sense. Adderall, Adderall, meth for kids.
I don't. I disagree that. Um, I disagree that he he was drugged up or wired or anything like that. I think that that's nonsense. That's not. That's a ridiculous claim to make in the first. Joe place. Joe Biden we saw during the debate was not the Joe Biden we saw on the campaign trail. Because he became prepared. He doesn't just show up in a town being like, "Oh, okay, I'm just going to go talk now." Because that's what he does. Is he goes off script and he sounds like an idiot. He was very much scripted for this. He was very scripted. I don't. I, I don't think it's ridiculous to, to suggest that he was probably on Adderall or something like that. Like he, he's a man in his seventies. I, I would be surprised if he was on zero. To be honest, Trump was probably on Adderall. Trump was probably on drugs too. No, that's what I'm saying. Like they're, they're, these are two men approaching 80 years old. If they're on zero medications, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so putting aside putting aside the stupid the, the allocations about who is on what kind of substances, which I think are kind of baseless. The one thing I would like to say definitely about this is that this only proves like people call this a debate. Like, oh man, that debate was a, I was terrible. It was a it was a it was a it was a mess. But I was thinking this entire like I walked away from that saying that was not a debate. Does anyone know what a debate is? What is a debate? What is the purpose of a debate? Why do we have presidential debates? What was the purpose of having those things in the first place? And I'm pretty sure. It was to have that sort of like sparring, of course. Yeah, it was it was always like a sort of like political sparring match where people would present their ideas and they would have counter arguments and arguments and counter arguments and they would try to like prove themselves in front of the other candidate and have the other candidate directly respond to them instead of just saying stuff to the papers. Any any debate with Trump is not a debate because Trump is not a debater. He is basically just taking shotgun approach to everything. What I'm saying is there's no point. There is literally no purpose to having a debate. There's absolutely none, because the purpose of a debate is to have people pit their ideas against each other, and it requires, to a certain extent, some sort of font, like common terminology upon which to have a discussion. I think which, I'd push back on you a little bit there, though, which is because I don't think a debate is just a sparring of ideas. That's a, de- that's a CBDS debate, but I would say that, in general, a debate is uh, a sparring ground to persuade the audience. Yeah, so it's not just ideas. It's it can be your personality. It can be so in the presidential debate. I agree with you that that one was quite useless as it persuaded nobody of anything. But in general, the reason we have presidential debates is to sway those middle of the ground voters that we were talking about and to say, listen, you should vote for me for these reasons. What we saw, what we saw was you should not vote for me for these reasons. So one thing I did want to put in there was that. Basically, if you look at previous debates with, you know, Trump and Hillary, those were actual debates because the way you set it up is you have question, both answer, right? And then you go through three different steps. And then at the end, you have a rebuttal and ending statement. And there's also a live audience in those debates. What you didn't see was there was no opportunity for either of the candidates to strike home a point because the audience was not there was no audience to respond to and i think that actually played down trump's performance because trump pretty good with the zingers here and there and he builds his confidence up and up joe you had something but the 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 strength of your argument shouldn't rely on an audience to hear um so i would definitely say it wasn't a debate i would say that it was an argument um and it wasn't even an argument per se it was just a it was a it was a way for each candidate to stand up and present their positions in front of you know a supposedly unbiased moderator um and just to say the, these are my positions without teleprompters without a written speech or anything like that and i would say that 
if you look at it in that light, then Trump did win because Trump was the only person who actually presented positions. Trump didn't let Biden present any positions per se. Trump pushed back on Biden and Biden caved to a lot of Trump's uh, attacks. Yeah. So my my end take on that was that Trump had high highs, low lows. Biden was calm, looked better, but he didn't say anything of substance whatsoever. Trump had three or four separate points, especially when he was talking about critical race theory, where he was actually on the money. When he was talking about lockdowns, Trump was on the freaking money. So there were multiple moments where he had actually a lot of content to what he was saying. Biden was tense. He was apprehensive. And you could tell, like, where he's being pushed between the two poles of the moderate side of his party and the really far left side of his party, where he just literally flips between one statement and the next about the Green New Deal. And that is, to me, where Biden just lost. That, that sort of flipping right then and there about a major deal is, yeah, that, if someone was paying attention there, I just don't, like, that's something that looks really bad on him. So here's the main thing that I'm going to I put forward is, well, one, after I say this, I kind of want to, let's transition, if this is okay with you guys, after I make this point, that we transition a bit more of the finer details of what they talked about rather than this general cacophony that it was. But I will say in opposition to that, not opposition, I agree with you, but the another point to add is that unlike Trump, Biden took a much more traditional approach to debating, uh, presidential debates, which was to appeal to the American people. He was appealing to the American people far more than Trump did. Trump was out for killing. He was out with the gun. He was, he was going to after them. But you had these moments, even though it was kind of other nonsense, it, he would, sometimes it was weird, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But Biden would come out and be like, yeah, I'm here for you guys, the American people. I think in 2020, I just think in 2020, that's a dead tactic. Like, I don't think that's a load of bullshit. I don't think it's going to get him that far. I, th- I think it's interesting, Dan, that you mentioned that Trump was very strong on, on the idea of not locking down again. And my only cause of concern with that is that that's actually not a popular position. Um, that's a Republican talking point. And, yeah, there's a, there's a decent amount of people who are not in favor of lockdowns, but the majority of Americans um, – are still in favor of either fairly strict lockdowns or complete lockdown. Um, So I I saw a lot of I saw a lot of Republicans who were like, yeah, Trump just totally, you know, lit lit by an upline of attackings. Anywho, um, that actually I, I don't know how the stance on COVID came off, because I thought that if there was one thing, as I was talking about before, there was no really agreed upon talking points. But something that was a socially must have been and what I thought it could have been the only reasonable area of debate because everyone was forced to agree on the first standing point was that COVID bad and everyone has to wear their masks. Because I thought that was just like socially speaking, and if you're going to be on live television, you have to say that. And if you have a shared upon starting point, you can actually argue about something constructively. And then my hopes were dashed across the pavement because they, in fact, just called each other liars and then said, he doesn't wear masks. He, him, him, he doesn't like that. And he's like, you want to kill like all businesses and you want to shut it. I mean, there was the only nugget of potential for a decent debate. Dude, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If there's a if there's a single person who has their mind on about economics, then they're going to realize that another lockdown is super destructive to business. 
It's not my point. It's not my point. My point being is that for a debate, a public debate that everyone is going to watch, that had to be an agreed upon point. And it was it had potential to be an actual talking point. I, I think that Trump did Trump did a great job in pointing out that Biden will shut down the economy for science if he's reelected. I think that everyone tends to discount that um, that point that he made because you know it was made in a very Trumpy way. But like Trump saying that Biden is going to shut down the economy, like that's a real point. The private business sector in this country is the backbone of the country, and it I think it makes up over sixty seven percent of our economy. And private business owners and people that have lost their jobs, they can't do another lockdown for to save, you know, grandma and grandpa. It might have been great, you know, early on, but insensitive. That's that's what it is, though. That's how they're arguing. Look, and the thing is, the numbers now are just ridiculous. I mean, I was looking at statistics a couple of days ago, and there was, um, I want to say it was on the first or the second there was a higher chance that an asteroid would hit the world than any person who had actually become infected with COVID that would die. Well, Anthony, Anthony, you brought up some good numbers the other day when we were talking. Yeah, so the CDC just released new numbers. Um, let me pull up the, the link here if I can, just so I don't have to you know, fudge this so we can stall this out and cut it out in a second here. Let me just get no, it's out. fine, it's fine. But no, yeah, while he's looking that up, I'm just thinking, like, I, I, I understand the sentiment. Obviously, I am not, I do not agree with closing down businesses at this point. Um, I understand the sentiment. Like, frankly, I, I work in a, a workplace where I have to wear a mask 24-7. As long as I am in my building, I have to wear masks. I have to force children to wear masks, and it's very uncomfortable for them, but I have to do it. Um, I'm a teacher, so, you know, my kids have to wear masks. They have to, you know, they fiddle with it. They do whatever. Listen, so do, so do I, and I've been working. I've been working all year with wearing a mask, and we've been taking the proper precautions. I haven't stopped work um, since this COVID thing. Like I've been working throughout the entire pandemic, and we wear masks. We, uh, you know, use hand sanitizer, and we socially distance. And I haven't had anyone in in my near vicinity or in the area that has gotten COVID because humans know what to do. When they are able to, when they are given the resources and when they're told, hey, do this. Joe, to go off of the point that you just made, I agree. Totally. Like, basically everyone has to do what mom told them to do when they were three, which is to cough into your elbow and wash your hands. And then what you do after that is, you know, you wear, I mean, I'm not personally against masks. I mean, I understand that it makes a lot more people comfortable and that's fine. Um, but, you know, whatever. I don't care. Uh, forcing people to wear it after a certain point, you know, we'll get there later. But for the time being, I'm not super opposed. I think the biggest thing is there's a real crisis of trust. And like when you have 12, when you have people who are forcing you to wear masks and saying it's for the safety of grandma, yet you know that they have very little actual care for you and that they are, they're simply doing what's politically expedient. And so when it came to BLM and when those turned silent, and in some areas where BLM turned violent, and in some areas where Antifa completely hijacked the riots to the detriment and anger of the people who were protesting police brutality, they just all, they all got lumped together and it was politically inexpedient to criticize them. And so what happened there is a total, total lack of trust. Going off of Neil's point, we've seen this argument before, and we saw this argument uh, 
basically, you know, rolling grandma off a cliff. It was it was the same argument that they made for Social Security and health care for all, basically Obamacare. They were saying that, you know, McCain's health care was going to remove viable health care options to people who were retired on Social Security. And they use the same exact imagery that they're using now with this COVID crap. And they're, they're trying to play on the heartstrings of people. Now, as small business owners, as workers who have you know, we've been through this with Ebola. We've been through this with you know, SARS. We know how to treat it. And it's basically just a bad flu. I know that not a lot of people like to hear that, but we know how to prevent the flu. So I, I don't mean to break in here too quickly. But I found the numbers and I, I was just clarifying my terms before I spoke out of turn here. So the CDC uh, just uh, on September 10th, I um, just released some new numbers here. And I just wanted to, you know, examine them a little bit. So this this, pr- this paper or this document they released was on just updated uh, ratios and things like that. So the the uh, key word here is the infection fatality ratio, and they define the infection fatality ratio as the number of individuals who die of the disease among all infected individuals, symptomatic and asymptomatic. Now, obviously, there are some inaccuracies here just because there's a lot of people who die and they could have died of COVID without that being reported. Although, in my opinion, things with every every disease in the sun, the sun be counting as a COVID death, uh, I don't think there's too much of an issue here. They have a couple of scenarios that they factor in here uh, with highs and lows, but the best current estimate as of September 10th for the infection fatality ratio for the ages of 0 to 19 is 0.00003, which means 3, three in 10,000 people will die. I mean, we shouldn't just casually discard three out of a thousand people um three out of ten thousand doesn't change the uh, doesn't change the sentiment well, right and so the, and things you have to understand here well i don't mean to i don't mean to cut off tangents here but i just want to get to the numbers real quick just so we can have reference for all of these uh and also of course you have to remember that unlike the flu for which for reference has an infection for uh, fatality ratio of 0.1 percent right so it's it's a tenth of a percent the difference is that the flu is far less uh, uh, transmittable, transmissible than the COVID. So that's the thing you have to remember here. That's why there's such high numbers. But what I was going to say is, we also know that the virus is mutated and become less deadly. So that's why that's why, like, if you look at numbers from back in early or like mid March, like you look at like the Italy numbers from like around March 15th, March 16th, those numbers were devastating yeah especially in bergamo in northern italy like if if yeah that that was um that was enough to scare the shit out of anybody the big thing i do think some people do misunderstand like that's where i see people talk about the death ratio and then other people talk about the transmissibility people do have to realize it's not as deadly but that's actually what in some sense makes it more deadly in the long run is because it can transmit everywhere but again, like the biggest argument that people have against an at-your-own-risk policy of you can go out and do things at your own risk is, well, you're actually able to put others at risk as well. This isn't simply solely you're, at your, you're doing something at your own risk, but you're doing something at the risk of others. And I think, right. okay, that's fair, but we've been doing this six months. Like, what is our path forward? Right. So for reference, again, the flu, 0.1%. For COVID, for ages 0 to 19, 0. 0.00003%. Uh, for ages 20 to 49, 0.0002. From ages 50 through 69, 0.005. And for 70 plus, 
it's 0.05. It's still exceptionally low, even for seniors. So my main point that I was I was getting back to, I, I don't know, I was cutting out a lot every Ethernet, but the pain, the main point is, I I worked with I worked with kids. I don't have opposition to certain things. The mask, I think people who are rage who, who rage against the mask, I don't really understand that too much because that's not actually a big problem in your life. What I do have a problem with is continuing shutdowns and hurting businesses. Yeah. That's, I'm getting there, yes. So the main point is that I'm still in, I am living in San Antonio right now. I don't have a problem with the fact that I have to wear a mask every time I'm indoors at my work. I do have a bit more of a problem with the fact that my kids have to wear one, but that's, you know, what. then again, understandable, don't have a problem with it. Neil, you have kids? He has so many children, dude. They're not even, like, they're of multiple ethnicities as well, don't worry. <laughs> Big Neil can speak more than one language. My students, my students. <laughs> talk about something else other than covid i feel like that's like the central source for every single conversation that we have in, in anything this is also true i'm mad about the bars being closed still in san antonio that's all i was wanting to say i got cut off a lot no no cussing on my christian minecraft server <laughs> you know i i have to mark this as explicit if you guys do cuss and then it goes through a different approval process so. Let's get back to the discussion of the debate. Like Joe said, do we have any more final thoughts on that before we switch over to console wars? I have one more thought. I have one more thought. I think Dan touched on this briefly. Um, looking like the broad scope of the topics that they talked about were chosen very well. Actually, the one that was answered most interestingly and the one that was answered the best, I think, by Trump was the uh, the idea of you know the race uh, issue that we have in the U.S. right now? The idea of I think Biden being smart. Finishing up here, what I was saying was uh, the main point that Trump made in that was he said that he had the backing of the military, he had the backing of the uh, all major police. He also said that you know he has the highest numbers in the African American community. I don't know if you guys know this, but he has twenty seven percent approval rating in the African American community. These the second closest president to that was Ford, who had seventeen percent. It's insane. That's a full ten percent more. What about Obama? Obama was not a Republican. Okay, qualify your terms. Qualify your terms. Yeah. So this is the man who basically has the backing of all and and by the way like 94 i think that stat is 94% of all black people say they would rather have more policing in their communities than less policing but that leads up to my point trump talked about defunding the police he talked about the radical left he talked about how biden is connected to them and then he goes on to say that well, well joe how about you tell me which uh, one organization that supports you, one law enforcement organization that supports you. And Biden is like, uh, I mean, we don't have time for that. Trump's like, yes, we do have time. You can tell me. And then, of course, Mr. Chris Wallace interrupts and said, we, oh, we have to move on to another topic. That was the single most frustrating point in the debate for me, especially when I rewatched it, because Biden doesn't have any support by any law enforcement. And if Biden gets elected, they are going to try and defund the police. It might not be as radical, but Trump mentioned that they need to they want to reimagine the police. And that's going to happen under Biden because Biden is basically just weakened at Bernie's. He's going to die within a month. And what's going to happen is Harris is going to be running the show along with AOC, Beto O'Rourke and all the other radicals. And this is going to be worse on the African-American community. And the African-American community does see this. Yeah, I'm, there's a fair number of them that do. So ending up with this waxing of theoretical by our good McLaughlin, we are going to take our smoke break.
say welcome back and we're going to talk about console wars which like i said i don't really have a dog in this fight at all i don't really know the topic or care about the topic to be frank can i give a little background for this yeah neil okay so the reason why i wanted to talk about this a bit and i wanted to get your guys opinion on this because i saw there was a it was a good couple of youtube videos shout out to atrioc on youtube and twitch but the guy talked about this uh, he said a couple of YouTube videos on it. You can go watch those if you want. There's something that I watched and I thought was really interesting, which was the current video game market, which is about to blow up. And so the general idea is that Microsoft is, first of all, a much, 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 much bigger top like company. Like doesn't Sony own a whole movie company too? And was that dude, was Anthony? You are in tech and you do not know this. Microsoft could look. Okay, I can't. It would make it explicit, but it'd be so worth it. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to pull up the numbers. Give me a second. Give me a second. But um, the point is that Microsoft is oodles bigger, like just way bigger. First of all, uh, and it wants to close out this market. They want to be uh, a Netflix of gaming sort of thing. They want to be the one-stop shop for 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 all things gaming. They have um, you can see so they are a much bigger company, uh, and we are also on the cusp of moving into the next like generation of video gaming which is the um the cloud gaming uh, microsoft revenue is 143 billion us dollars so far in 2020 yeah their net their microsoft net worth is 1.6 trillion sony's net worth is 76 billion i apologize wow cancel cancel this man yeah so just do stupid bigger uh the point being is that we're on the cusp of of moving into the the digital age where basically you're kind of going to do the, I think it's the Google Stadia sort of thing of moving into the, the network space. Uh, Google Stadia kind of sucks for, because it doesn't have any, like Google doesn't have a dog in the fight when it really comes to. It runs on Duncan. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the um, Google, Google doesn't really have a dog when it comes to like exclusives or it doesn't have like, it doesn't have much of that stuff. It doesn't have like, the actual backing of the game. I think that's where it's going. And this is why it's so important is because this next PS, um, the PS5 against the Xbox, what is it? The Xbox X Series the box. S or some non, I, I don't know, a terrible name. The Xbox Series X. But, but the, uh, the idea is that um, X, as Microsoft wants to control all gaming. They want to be the one-stop shop for it. Um, and Sony is, you know, Sony, they're just like, we want to dominate right now because that's what they're good at. They have good exclusives and they want to have a good system that can run everything and they want to be just good in their own little right. But Microsoft really wants to be big on that. And you can kind of see this with their attempt at Mixer, which was to her horrible failure in Mixer because they can't really, they couldn't really beat Twitch, the thing crashed. But the whole idea is that this, Microsoft is taking this console war extremely seriously. And this 
uh, kind of caps off at the fact that they bought Bethesda. They had there was the first release of the Xbox at a stupid low price, which is Microsoft would lose money per Xbox they sold with this new Xbox. It's ridiculous, but they want to put they want to assert their dominant space. And then you have Sony, who has a you know semi-competitive price. It's not super. It's it's more expensive, but it's got that bougie status on it. They have better exclusives and stuff like that. And then Microsoft is taking this very seriously with the trying to buy. Uh, they bought Bethesda so they could get more exclusives because currently they what do they have? They have like Halo and almost nothing else. So, but they they have Halo. Dude, that's, Quantum that's, Break. That's the only thing they got. But um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wanted to see Joe more, McLaughlin. I want to get a, a like a the market side of this is what you know about maybe this sort of thing, and then I would kind of want to get a little bit of uh, maybe a couple other guys see what they their their take on on how the marketing is. So I think that um, on the market side of things, their their latest you can really tell where they're going because their latest console, the Xbox Series X, is actually it's kind of crap. Like the the specs are not very good um they just kind of beat the ps5 but it's it's because they know that this is going to be the last xbox console before they start hosting everything on their xcloud platform which runs off of their data centers i think that um the another reason why it's important that they buy bethesda because the thing that's going to set these companies apart now is the titles they're going to put out because no one's going to have to pay for the hardware anymore because with, with the release of 5G, everyone's going to have the capability of gig speed internet. Home internet is going to go away. People are just going to be using their phones and using their laptops. And it's all going to be connected through 5G because the speeds are insanely fast compared to the internet we have now. And it's going to be a lot cheaper than the internet we have now. So what you're going to see is you're going to see Amazon is going to be the big player in it with their acquisition of Twitch. Um, also, they're they're buying up smaller studios. They are starting to release something in beta right now. Uh, so they have a beta program at now. I forget what it's called. I think it's called, uh, it's either Solo or Duo or something like that. I had not heard about that. Have they been buying up, have they bought up more studios than Microsoft? So the thing that they're doing now is they're hosting it all um, on their on their data centers that are extremely cheap. So the overhead for them is is already in place. They've started buying smaller companies, mostly from China, from other companies, from mm-hmm. other countries too. And they're going to roll out their product as a finished product instead of Google, who rolled out Stadia, the product in beta. Anyone who's first to the market is always going to fail because they don't have the fan base and because they're the first to offer the idea to the markets. So Amazon is going to wait until xCloud gets released. They're also going to wait until um, Stadia is more widespread see with Apple Arcade, and then they're just going to roll in there. They're going to come in with their own streaming platform. They're going to incentivize uh, creators to put stuff on their platforms. It's all going to be digital. There's going to be no consoles. So I think that's going to be the path that every, every manufacturer is going to take. So interesting. This is, this is, yeah, that's a very interesting point. That's going to be another big player to the game. Because what Microsoft was trying to do is they were trying to take up that Twitch space, which is a very important space, extremely important space. It's the entire influence on whether or not you play a game or, you know, you play a game because you see people play it. That's you have YouTube, you have Twitch, you have stuff like that. Also, also the thing about Twitch is it's the monetization of gaming, right? Every single streamer that makes money oh, yeah. is making money on Twitch because of the subscriptions 
and the subscriptions are all connected into Amazon Prime. It's not the only way. It's not the only way, but it is a it's it's a humongous. If you've ever watched a, a more relevant streamers re recently, uh, everyone they have a lot of people who subscribe. You just normally with their own money, they just pay pay directly. But you have a lot of other people who a lot of a lot of big streamers right now are saying, "Have you checked your Prime?" Because every once a month, you're you have a, a one free subscription that you get to put towards whatever stream you want. And so these streamers are like, "I want." the people who have their, you know, their one free subscription every month to give it to their favorite streamer, me. And so they say, hey, guys, check your primes. Uh, and if you don't want, you know, if, if your prime is expired, well, why don't you give it to me? It'd be great, wouldn't it? And so that's a humongous market right now for them. That's a big Amazon like thing. Amazon is buying up the monetization of gaming, making everyone dependent on their platform, Twitch. And once yep. they have that, they can dictate the rules that people make money through gaming. They can dictate, you know, uh, deals that with gamers, with major gamers that actually shift the the how much a game is played. If you look at Fortnite, you got Ninja, you got people like that. Ninja went to Mixer, it failed, and now he's having to go back on YouTube. The one thing that I think is left. So basically, where can the market grow at this point? Is one you have the new contenders with with Amazon, then you have. Sony, which is trying to just basically be the best it can be at, at its thing. It is. Sony's business model is the same that Blockbuster had back in the day. It was a great model. It was a lot of overhead, but everyone loved it because they were so reliant on it. They're only a hardware company. But now they're going to have to shift to, we're going to have to have data. They don't, oh, dude, they don't have the servers that like, like the one thing where Amazon really hasn't had a Microsoft is Microsoft servers. And like Amazon servers are, I don't know a whole lot about the server war. I know Microsoft has a couple, but, and Microsoft's building out like everyone is, but Amazon has just been like AWS and Amazon have just been. So here's the one last thing that really, really matters about this current console war is that you want to play with your friends and you can only play with your friends on the consoles that they have. And so basically whoever jumps ahead in the market first, whoever is, whoever is winning at the beginning is going to be winning in the long run. Because it's very going to be very hard to overtake somebody as soon as they um, as soon as they run away with it between Microsoft and PlayStation. New play in this in this cloud platform is basically so that anyone on any platform can play because everyone is using the same servers. And pitch is going to be here's why you're going to use our platform. It's because we pay you the most. It's because everything is connected and it's convenient. So we have the best games and the best publishers. I think the biggest two things that will happen, honestly, is like after basically the console starts to die. So first of all, between the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, like the PS5 just looks terrible. It looks like a freaking dildo wrapped in toilet paper. Like the thing is just like weird looking. And the, X, the Series X is a box, but, you know, it's kind of a slick looking box. Like It's a flex factor. It's flex factor. I think it's a misplaced flex factor. Like, I think with the PS5, the PS5, what it's doing is it's like, look at this sweet hardware. And I think Joe is right. It's going to go to the cloud within two. Like, I think gaming is going to be majorly in the cloud in about two to three years. And that flex factor of the PS5 is going to be a stupid factor. As soon as gaming becomes cloud heavy, that PS5 that you have is a sign that you were behind the times. And like, you're not going to want that thing like standing up. Like, you can't do anything with it. It's, it's got to stand up right there. You're going to hide it. No, you don't hide it because the idea is the idea is that you want to show off your wealth because you paid more for it. 
People want to show off things they paid more for. And so you want to say, even if it, it doesn't matter if it looks good or not, it could look ugly as hell. But as long as it like looks like a certain thing, it's very like extravagant and you can put it up in your home. You could say, look how much I paid for this thing. People will do that. People do that all the time. When you play a game with your friends, you're always on audio. You're going to be on video because it's going to be played on a computer or a phone. And I just, I don't think that having a cool console is going to cut it anymore because at the end of the day, everyone can be equal. You could be playing, Sam could be playing from his Chromebook and you could be playing, I could be playing from my really nice gaming computer and like you can still play the game. It's just that, oh, maybe, oh, I'm an Amazon guy on their platform or I'm a Microsoft guy on their platform or if Sony comes out with their own platform, I don't know. I think the two, the two big things that'll probably happen will be somebody's going to buy Nintendo. And what'll happen is it'll be Microsoft or Amazon, and that like they'll just let it go. They'll they'll officially have the rights, and that will move a huge chunk of the market their way. And somebody's going to buy Steam. I'm sorry, I don't think that anyone's going to buy Steam. But Steam could go. Imagine if Steam decided, hey, you know, they either look at Microsoft or Apple. Right now, Steam was literally 20 years ahead of its time with what it did. No one realizes Steam actually was almost pre-streaming streaming, if that makes sense. It made Valve the most profitable, one of the most per capita yeah. profitable companies in the world. Everybody who works at Valve, make, Valve makes bank. You don't have to do anything. You can literally go into your office and just sit at your computer and like watch YouTube. You do not have to work in that office because they make a boatload of money off of Steam. And then the only people who like did that, like, can you name another gaming platform where you actually buy things, like another gaming community platform? So Steam will have a ton of leverage in how they're going to actually be able to play out and like who they might want to go with. What I was saying was the only person that it's viable to buy Steam is Microsoft because the founders of uh, there's Evolve, I don't know if you guys know this, so Gabe Newell and Mike Harrington, they spent 13 years working at Microsoft developing Windows. So there are mm-hmm. inherent ties to Microsoft in yep. the Valve community. And what's going to happen is they're always going to favor a, a um, they're, they're probably already somewhat connected. It's not formal or whatever. But they're always going to favor a company that creates on the Windows platform and makes everything more or less exclusive to Windows and it runs the best on Windows. Microsoft is always going to buy that platform. Do you think Microsoft has any, like, upper, like, they're buying up a lot right now, but do you think Microsoft has anything that Amazon might not be able to match or that could really give Amazon, Microsoft the other hand? I don't know. Here's the thing I think everyone's going to buy. Because I think the biggest move, the big move could be to buy Discord. It is the one thing that is kind of left in the market that has not been tried, like, bought already or tried to be copied. Because Twitch has already been bought by Amazon and you have a whole bunch of other things. But Everyone, literally everyone uses Discord. Discord is like, what, no matter what platform you're on, if you're an Xbox gamer, if you're, a, if you're a PlayStation gamer, if you're a PC gamer, everyone uses Discord for gaming. It is like the place to go. And so I think that Microsoft or Amazon, if they're smart, is going to buy Discord. What, what's up with this? Discord? Oh! <laughs> so no joe what i what i was asking was meant for like anybody to answer and that is like is there any is there anything that microsoft has specifically right now that could put it at a future edge against amazon so the thing that amazon does not have is it does not have an operating system right and the way that microsoft mm-hmm. has embraced 
um, the way that they're building Windows as a core instead of Windows as a device-by-device uh, device platform, what you're seeing is you're going to end up seeing Windows 10 core on the new gaming devices that are coming out. And all those gaming devices, are they're, they're all based in Linux or Android or something like that. What you're seeing is you're, you're seeing a unification of everything that Microsoft develops. You're seeing that unification and coming together creates a sense of um, a simplification for gamers to get started or, you know, everything just works, something like that. I think that's the edge Absolutely. that Microsoft has, definitely. Microsoft wants to be the one-stop shop for gaming. They want to be the one person. You have your, you have your Microsoft computer. You have your Microsoft gaming system. You have your Microsoft like chatting. You have your Microsoft everything. They want everything to be 100% Microsoft. They want to be the Netflix of gaming. They want to be the people who took that space. Teams is basically a prototype to what their gaming uh, atmosphere could look like. Teams is basically the hub for all of Office. What's going to end up happening is you're probably going to see a product that they release where you're going to have a Windows 10 version for gamers or a Windows 10 core version for gamers on devices. They might sell a light version of the Xbox, which is basically just a streaming stick. Don't they, they're already selling that, aren't they? They're already selling the Xbox. Isn't that what the main, basic Series X is? Really cheap one? I mean, the Series X is it's, it's a good... I was actually thinking about just buying one because I'm like, at some point, it's not going to matter what my hardware is. So I'm like, as long as it can like pick up a Wi-Fi signal, like, you know. I wouldn't buy it now because this last device is still reliant on the old Xbox OS that they have. Interesting. So this is the thing. This is the thing I think it's trying to do is this might not be the device. This is the last one going on hardware. But what it's going to try to do, I think, more than anything else, is it's going to try to win over new gamers to your system, to your platform, is because the, if you have a lot more people on PlayStation, you want to stick with your friends who are on PlayStation. Even if everything is way better, even if, uh, even if the system for a whole bunch of other things are better, if all of your friends are playing PlayStation, you'll be playing PlayStation. So, like, that's the, I think, the, the idea that is behind this whole console war, even though it's not good, everything might be going digital soon. This is the last big bout for brand. I personally don't think sales of this new console, I don't think it's going to be big at all. They're not going to be, no. I I do think they're going to be very underwhelming. So I want to just wrap this up. I think we're coming to a close in this episode. But I'm thinking that I, the last closing thoughts, I would say I don't want to count out PlayStation. Uh, They've got a a lot more to offer than a lot of people think. But that's... To this, I think it was a it was a good conversation. If anyone who wasn't as involved in this conversation wants to butt in something really quick before we end, like Anthony or Nodar or anybody else, if you guys want to say a couple of quick words about the topic uh, before we close out for the night, I think we'd be good. Smash Bros. There's there is really nothing to be said. Well, the one thing is I would say is, um, good lord, do I hate the world of corporations. <laughs> like just listening to you people talk is just like you're you're turning me into a socialist like you're you're trying to i swear you're trying to make me a socialist i'm i'm just very distracted right now i'm finishing part one of dune and i am engrossed we can have the conversation about whether or not that marketing is inherently socialist at some later point but i think tonight this would be a good place to wrap up this episode 
Thank you guys for listening. It has been a blast. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Leave some uh, leave some comments uh, on our social medias. Uh, we have Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Twitter. If you guys haven't heard, our handle is the real Ladcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So go ahead and check that out. Shoot us a follow if you guys wanna you wanna know when we post because we'll be we'll be updating you guys every time we are posting. We'll be probably looking to get a more regular posting schedule. Uh, so we have a, a, a like an episode out by a certain day of the week. We'll be doing that soon. But for you know, it's a great way to keep up with us, and it's a great way to for us for you guys to give us a little feedback with suggested topics, uh, a little bit of like constructive criticism on the uh, on certain points. If you want to debate, you want to say, um, and I don't know, even if we get bigger or something like that, we might have some guests on, and those would be a good thing to suggest. But um, yeah, so thank you guys for listening. I think we're going to sign up for the night. So uh, thank you guys. All righty, see you. Hello.